Have a good time here on The Breakfast Show. We've got a few text messages to talk about this morning, but before we get to those, we are going to have a look at another question for our quiz. Okay, question number four. According to the Jesus, according sorry, according to Jesus's parable, the sheep know the shepherd because they recognize what? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win the Revive Cafe Vegan Cookbook. If our interview that we just had didn't get you excited for it, then I don't know what will. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Again, that question is, according to Jesus' parable, the sheep know the shepherd because they recognize what? All right. Give us a call if you know the answer. You know the number, 0491 Of course, you're on The Breakfast Show with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson. This morning, here comes the text messages. Uh, this is what you had to say about the first half of the show. And so let's what, see what it says here. Removal of invasive species in Macquarie Island, Antarctica. Amazing story. What a dog. What a dog. But I missed on how he got rid of them. Did he eat them or just kill them? No, so there was a process. They started with baiting and traps and poison. Yes. Uh, once they diminished the numbers enough, then they brought in the dogs. And the dogs go and catch them. Snuff, sniff them out. Sniff them out, catch them, and then they can, you know. Chomp, like Chomp them. Like in the, in, the, uh, in the photo that I saw that when they got the last rodent from yes. the island, you know, it's fully there. So it's just like the dog catches them and they end its life. I think the dog might end its life. Yeah. I said they. It could okay. be the dog, could be the people. The dog isn't there like eating them like Argh. but he's Well, why not? That's what dogs do. Dogs eat those kind of things. Well, sometimes. Maybe maybe the dog did eat them. But anyway, I, I do think this is an incredibly uh, an incredibly positive story. We need to have more stories about this <laughs> uh, like this in relationship to invasive species. Grapes, they are the best. No, they're not. Raspberries are. Jesus <laughs> no, will no. Not. We have text message confirmation. They are the best. Uh, Jesus, Jesus will not eat them. Until we go to heaven, right? Until we go to heaven. Yeah, until, <laughs> until we're, we're there with him. I'm read the rest of the text message. Yeah. Jesus will not eat them until we are in heaven with him. Interesting. So wow. that's fascinating, something that is... Uh, so every time you eat a grape, remember that Jesus is abstaining until we get to heaven. Wow, what a blessing. Yes. Uh, the split of the Anglican Church regarding same-sex marriage and LGBT issues. Well done. God says, come out of her, my people. Another sign we live in the last days. I suppose we are to expect this happening more often. Well, it's certainly been happening quite a bit in the United States. If you look at the uh, Methodist Church in the United States, for example, that church has split along the same lines. Mm. Okay, Peter's home. Lots of things happen in 500 years. Another pilgrimage place to go to. Tourism marketing. Guesswork. Who knows? <laughs> definitely, definitely uh, tourism, tourism marketing. <laughs> ancient, ancient tourism marketing right there. Write Peter's name on the floor. Say, yep, this is where it was. And You have to come to, if you're a real Christian. And you, you make a donation. I've been to, I've been a pilgrim. I've been to many of those places in the Middle East, and you pay money to see every single one of them. Mm. Every single one you go to is going to cost you money. Like, can't you hook a brother up? You know, like, can't you let me see this for free? Like... There's one or two places that you can see for free because it's kind of like, well, how do you monetize it? Monetize that, but pretty much everything is monetized. <laughs> how do you monetize the Sea of Galilee? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, you're both wrong. Oh, the sun 
is white. Uh, okay. I don't think it is. I think they're wrong. I think you're, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, you're wrong. This is Brayden. I think Brayden's wrong. You know, no, I think, you know, I'm going to um, subscribe to imperialism and Japan. I think the sun's red. <laughs> it's yellow. I can prove it's yellow. How? I took a photo of it. And it's yellow? Yeah. 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 No, I actually think the sun's yellow, but, you know. I, I took a photo of the sun and there's a sunspot on it. You can see the, like, storm on the surface. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. What kind of camera did you have? Uh, just a normal DSLR mm-hmm. with a 100mm macro lens mm-hmm. through a solar telescope. So a solar telescope is a telescope you look at the sun with. Wow. In the middle of the day. So it's a telescope, it's, it's astronomy that you do in the middle of the day. And these guys were sitting in the middle of the town square in Bath in England mm-hmm. and there was a whole heap of them with solar telescopes and I was sort of sitting there watching them for a while like, what are these guys doing? Who does astronomy in the middle of the day? So I walked over and had a bit of a conversation and they were like super geeky um, into it and it was really interesting. Mm. And, of course, I got to look through all these different solar telescopes and they're telling me all about it and they're like, look at this and look at that and you can see this and you can see it. Like, it was just amazing. Yeah. And like, can I can I take a photo through one of those telescopes? And they're like, well, I don't know, we've never tried it before. So I cracked on the macro lens, shone it down the telescope, Clicked away. There you go. Saw the sun. Got a photo of it. It was yellow. And it was yellow. So there you go. It's yellow. Mm -hmm. It's not white. Mm -hmm. I can prove it. (laughs) All right. Um, (laughs) More text messages. Nope. I don't have any more text messages. That's it. That's all I got. Mm -hmm. That's all that has come through here. Bruce Shell is walking in the studio to prove you wrong. Oh, I didn't finish reading this one. Uh Okay, but in all seriousness, okay. You're both wrong. The sun is white, but in all seriousness, it has to produce white light. Only reason it looks yellow is because the atmosphere is yellow. I might have been proven wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I don't think that's so funny. Yes, no. (laughs) Yes, the atmosphere is. Wait, how many photos did you take of the sun? Through what telescope? Through what atmosphere? Wow. <laughs> nah, Braden's just wrong. It's just wrong. Oh, it's, that was so funny. <laughs> no, nah, it's just unbelievable. Maybe, maybe they have lots of bushfires in Japan and the sun is always red. They don't, though. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is disappointing. All right, let's get into our Bible study. Let's go to. I'm going to change the subject right now because I've been humiliated. First Peter chapter five and verse seven. I still maintain the sun is yellow. I still maintain that any reasonable. <laughs> he's, he's a yellow sunner, guys. Yes, I'm, a, a, <laughs> I'm a, not a. I'm not a flat earther, but I am a yellow sunner. He's a yellow sunner. Oh, That's it. <laughs> the sun is yellow. <laughs> Not the atmosphere is yellow, it's the sun that's yellow. The sky that's actually, is, the sky okay, is okay, blue okay, and the sun is yellow. Okay, there you go. Okay, that's actually a good question. Mm. If the atmosphere is yellow that makes the sun look yellow, mm. then why is space black and not yellow? I guess there's no light in space. Like, that's that's probably the answer. Mm. But, you know, I'm, I'm just going to take that thought to maybe its extreme or illogical conclusion that if the sun is yellow because the atmosphere is yellow, then space has to be yellow too. Why is the sky blue? Why do pigs fly? 
They don't. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Let's get into it. All right. I'm right here. I'm right here. Let's go. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. The Bible says this. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Okay. So Peter's quoting from the Old Testament. Did you know that Peter's this is a famous verse? Mm-hmm. That's a quote from the Old Testament. Let's go to Psalms chapter 55 oh. and verse 22. It is 100% not a quote in my Bible. Like, you know how, like, the Bible has, like, quotes in it, you know, from other books and yeah. whatnot and references Your Bible and margins. Just... Dodgy. This isn't my Bible. This is the studio's Bible. We're going to Psalms chapter, Psalm number. Psalms 55. 55 and verse 2, as I turn over here on the page. 22. 22. In verse 22, where the Bible says, Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Okay, so I would say that your Bible got it wrong because that sounds very much like a quote from the Old Testament to me by Peter. Mm-hmm. What do you learn from this quote? What, is this, what does this say to you? What's the basic message here for us? Okay, so we've got some information that uh, you know God wants us to wear high uh, grip shoes because you know he will not permit the godly to slip and fall. So very... <sighs> Okay, and then other than that, you know, give your burdens to the Lord and he'll take care of you. God is intensely interested in our well-being, in our burdens, and he definitely wants to care for us. He can see the things that hurt us, he can see the things that pain us, and he is actively waiting and open for us to communicate those things to him Okay, so that he can work. In all seriousness, though, mm-hmm. how do we put on those high, high anti-slip shoes? Oh, in a, in a spiritual sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because Jesus doesn't want us to slip and fall. Mm-hmm and he won't allow us to slip and fall, does that mean that we then go, well, like the Bible says that God won't allow us to slip and fall, so I'm going to go and step on every banana skin out there. <laughs> oh, deep. Uh, yeah, probably not. Okay. Pro- probably, probably that would be presumptuous? That Yes, definitely presumptuous. So this is not what it's saying. So then there must be an aspect where we can wear those shoes. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah, so let's think about this. If God says, God gives us this promise, I won't permit you to slip or fall, does that mean that we then go and walk around on frozen lakes <laughs> because we won't slip and fall? Does it mean you go and get your motorbike, uh-huh. your dirt bike, uh-huh. and go for a ride on a frozen lake? Because the Bible says you won't slip and fall. <laughs> have you ever tried riding on a frozen lake? I've never done that before. I have done that. Uh-huh. It's a really bad idea. Like on a bicycle or a motorbike? Or? I've done it on a bicycle, like on yeah. a push bike. Uh-huh. And the principle is the same for a motorbike. Uh-huh. Unless you have spiked spiked tires, you're done. It is a it is a ridiculously stupid thing to do. Now uh-huh. to drive a car on the lake, yes, <laughs> absolutely awesome, fun, great, wholesome. Ride a bike on the lake is just a way of getting in a lot of pain very quickly. <laughs> Because what happens, of course, as soon as you put any kind of weight, so I was on a push bike. As soon as you put any kind of weight on the pedal, uh, right, the back wheel just spins, uh, and as soon as it spins, you just go bang on the ice. You just fall over. You just fall over. Yeah. And I would imagine it would be the same with the motorbike. As soon as you let the clutch out, yeah, you're just falling over. Now, like ice racing is pretty big. Yes. And in fact, like because they put the spikes on, they like scrape their knees and elbows on the ground. They can lean so low because the spikes are making crazy grip. Does that mean you can go faster on ice than you can on land? Actually, no, because the spikes have so much friction. Right. Yeah. But you can get an incredible amount of grip, but you definitely don't want to crash if you're in an ice race because then you could potentially get decapitated by a motorcycle with spike tires. 
So that don't. would be. Less, less than ideal. Yeah, that's right. But I think what you said about presumption, like, does God want us to presume? I think that God is so against presumption. Yes. Like, so overwhelmingly cautious against it and, and warns us constantly of it. So much so that one of the temptations of Christ was all about presumption. And that's specifically the one where Satan says, if you are the son of God, jump off this building because God won't let you fall. And, and God, you know, gives abs, Jesus gives absolutely no room for Satan there. He's like, no, that would be acting presumptuously. That would be against God's will. I'd rather follow God entirely than just try and test him by doing stupid things. And I feel like the attitude that we can often adopt that leads to presumptuousness, as a conversation I was having with someone last night, actually, is, how far can I be from God <laughs> without being lost? I feel like that's often the attitude that informs presumptuousness. How far, How? what crazy thing can I do knowing that God, God loves and cares about me that I can get away with uh, without, you know, stepping too far and being God? Like, why... Why are we trying to walk far away from God to do things in presumption and make a case from a verse like this to say like, oh, but I'll be fine because I won't slip and fall. Like God will look after me. Whereas we can have the opposite where we can be as close to God as we possibly can and do exactly what he wants us to do. Reminds me of a story, a parable. A parable is of the the driver of the of the chariot. <laughs> Sorry to steal your fun- thunder while, but you said this one on, on radio before. Too many before. times, right? But, you Too know, give it, give it, give it. Well, I was going to change it up a little bit this okay, time. Okay, change it up. I was going to change it, it up back. and say this was, the, this was the Prime Minister of a developing country okay. that was very mountainous ah, and okay. had dangerous roads in it. And mm-hmm. one of those dangerous roads was one of these ones uh, that went along the edge of a cliff. You've probably seen some of these on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And they are absolutely hectic. They are developing Terrifying. countries. This is just, this is just, uh, there is no way of describing other than, other than they, they are simply the most terrifying roads on the planet. Mm-hmm. They just, you know. And so uh, being the Prime Minister, of course, he has a driver and he wants to have the safest driver. So he interviews all his drivers and he asks them, how, how, he brings them in one at a time, how close can you drive to the edge of the cliff? Mm. And the first guy says, you know, I can drive within 300 millimetres of the edge and you'll be safe. I've done that before. Mm. I, I, can, I know I can do this. Next next guy comes in. He wants the job, so he ups the ante a bit. And he's like, "I can do it. I can do it within say two hundred millimeters mm-hmm. of the edge of the cliff." Next guy comes in, and uh, he's each driver is like, "Okay, I gotta, I've got to, I've got to up my ante here because I really want this job." Mm-hmm. It's a developing country; they don't get a lot of employment. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're dirt poor, and uh, and so he ups the ante. And he's like, oh, 100 millimeters." The last guy comes in and he's like, okay, I'm the last guy. I know that the guys that went in ahead of, ahead of me have been giving really wild – no, the second last guy, I should say – wild estimates of, you know, what they what their accomplishments are and how close they can drive to the edge of the cliff. He walks in he's like, he's like, look, this is, I've driven right on the edge. He says, I've actually literally put my tyres on the edge of that cliff and driven on that road and I've not fallen over. The very last guy comes in. And the Prime Minister asks, you know, we, we need to drive on such and such a road. How, how, how close to the edge of the cliff can you drive in absolute safety? And he just turns around and says, as far from the edge as I can possibly get. Mm-hmm. And the Prime Minister's like, you are the man. Yeah. You are the driver. Why? Mm-hmm. Because you are the least presumptuous. Yes. Mm-hmm. You want to be as far away from temptation, you want to be as far away from danger as you can possibly be, mm-hmm. 
and then God makes up the difference. Mm-hmm. It isn't a matter of tempting God by saying, hey, God, what do you reckon? I can get this close to temptation and not fall. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really, really bad idea mm-hmm. because fools go mm-hmm. where angels fear to tread. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? You are walking away from the power of God when you do so. Yes. And I think then it's like, oh, but like in the world, but not of the world. How do we, you know, Jesus ministered to publicans and sinners. And it's like, oh, how is it that I can do that? By being totally and utterly surrendered to God all the time. And if you're an alcoholic, then maybe your calling is not to work in pubs. Yeah. Maybe that is somebody else's calling. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe you need to recognize that because you're an alcoholic. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but how do I know what my calling is? Again, like. Well, you can soon see what your calling is not. Yeah. But by looking at, you know, and this is the thing. Each one of us has different mm-hmm. temptations. You have very different temptations than what I have. Sure. And vice versa. Mm. We need to know, and we actually do. Mm-hmm. We automatically know yeah. what our temptations are, where uh-huh. our weaknesses are. Uh-huh. And those are areas in which. It's not our calling to go there and minister mm-hmm. in those places. Our calling is to minister somewhere else. Mm. Someone else's calling, who's completely not tempted by that, is to go minister there. But it's like, oh, man, how can we actually know? You know, How can we be sure that that's what God is calling us to or calling us away from? Like, again, instead of acting in presumption and trying to assume, just be close to God. Yes. <laughs> just have a conversation with him. That's right. Read his word. Like, you have the ability today to decide, and everyone has this ability and this opportunity to decide, hey, I want to be close to God and I want to know him better. And the more, the closer that we get to him, the more we know these things because God reveals them. So, yeah, interesting here. But again, this verse, give your burdens to the Lord and he'll take care of you. You can only do that if you're actually engaging with God. And at that point, when you're engaged with him, he'll cause you not to slip or fall. He won't permit you because you're doing what he has called you to do, not what you want to do but what he has called me to do. Absolutely. Mm. I like how it puts it in the uh, in, in the King James Version where, where it says, casting all your cares upon him for he careth for you. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. I like, you know, because casting is, we, we don't use that, we use that word in a very different form today. <laughs> well, yeah, we do use it in casting, but we also typically <laughs> use casting as in, Selecting somebody to be on the breakfast show, for instance. Yeah, that's right. It's a casting, mm-hmm. a casting role. We cast for that role, uh, but we still do cast when we go fishing. Yeah, as you mentioned, <laughs> and yeah. and I think that's probably our best illustration right now is we can take all of our burdens and throw them way over onto Jesus. Because mm. when you cast a lure, it goes a long, long, long way away from you. When you cast mm. a fishing line with a you know a lead weight on it, you know, a, a sinker on it, and mm. some bait. Mm. The whole idea is, generally speaking, that it goes a long way away from you mm. to where the fish are. Mm-hmm. And so when we read that there, casting, think of taking your anxieties, taking your burdens, and casting them on Jesus, throwing them a long, long, long way away mm. onto Jesus because he cares for you. And and when it talks about your burdens here, you know, really it talks about your anxieties. Because And we might say, yeah, but this is something that happened to me. Yes, past tense. Mm. You can't change the past, so why are you worrying about the past? Mm. The reason that you are stressing over this is not because you are trying to change the past, but because you are worried about the future because of what happened in the past. Mm. 
And so really what we're dealing with here with is anxiety and worrying about the future. Mm. And what Jesus is saying is all those worries about the future, cast them on me. Throw them far, far away onto me. Because those are things, once again, that we can place on Jesus, provided we're not being presumptuous and he will not allow our feet to slip and fall. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson, and we're about to have another question for our quiz. All right. Where did Paul meet Priscilla and Aquila? Simply that. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. You will go into the draw to win the Revive Cafe Cookbook 3 and 4 amazing, healthy, awesome, tasty, vegan meals that you can make relatively easily and quickly. But again, that number is 0491-064-669. And that question was, where did Paul meet Priscilla and Aquila? Well, during the uh, during the first half of the show, we did talk about not eating red raspberries because they were green. Sorry, not eating red, red blackberries, blackberries because they, they were, were green. green. Uh, and let me see here. Sky's texting to say, well, today I'm actually in black, so I'm not blue. So, actually, that's something else uh, uh, I want to tell you about. So, in Japan as well, they call fresh veggies, we call them green. Yeah, greens. Yeah, they call them blues. So a green banana, they're like, oh, that's really blue. They, like the the word for blue is owl, and they're like, oh, like owl, like it's blue. So they're just kind of confused in Japan, bro. <laughs> they're just struggling. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not the blue say light it. is the green light, and the the green veggies are the blue veggies. Uh, it's interesting. Maybe we actually need to do that here in Australia because they did over-industrialise way more than what we did and were incredibly more successful than us, maybe the, maybe there's a real problem there. <laughs> maybe this is the reason we've been using the wrong language. <laughs> okay, Lawson, what you said about presumption leaving God reminds me of a good reason why I felt that attending uh, Sun Church, I think it says, led me to believe it's okay not to live by the Bible, to get mm. tattoos, for example, to do what feels good and God still loves me, mm. almost like it's okay to disre- disrespect God and he won't punish me. Mm. Uh, it is, uh, and, and just putting that into context, I think that um, what you've what you've said right there about presumption is that you know we look at these so many things that you know so many different practices, and we ask the question: Is that right or is that wrong? Mm. And then we then we just sort of start to rationalise mm-hmm. and say, well, you know, that's not such a bad thing, mm-hmm. and. And uh, we can we can live closer to the edge of the cliff. Yeah, I think presumption is making those judgments based on your feelings and desires. With that, yes. you have those undercurrents of I want to do the right thing, and and so you you do something, you come up with some kind of good intention, so that you can get away with it. But in reality, if you just appealed to what the Word of God said, you would know what's right and wrong. And often one of those things that we can do is we can justify things by, you know, uh, this is something that I like. But we, we, what's a good idea to do is to stop and ask when you're going to do something and your conscience speaks to you and says like, yeah, Lyle, wait, wait, wait a minute. 
And you're like, is that my conscience or is that not my conscience? And of course, Oof. we always like to think, oh, no, maybe that's not my conscience. Maybe it's just me being dumb. Yeah, like, maybe yeah. I'm overthinking this right now or whatever it might be. But if you are wondering whether you're overthinking or not, just simply ask yourself a very simple question. Uh, am I doing this for God or for myself? Wow. And that's often a very useful thing to say. Oof. Am I doing this for God or am I doing it for myself? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, dude, that'll, that is fresh. That will definitely, that'll touch your heart. That'll mm. move you. Mm. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to next. Matthew 6, one of my favorite passages on this subject of anxiety. Mm. We're going to start reading in verse 25. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, the Bible says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. <coughs> Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Wow. Mm. Yours says that? Yeah. Mine says, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? Mm. It's very different. I don't know. It's prophetic. Uh, not prophetic, poetic. Poetic. Yes, you just have taken a lot of poetic license. Yeah. But anyway, okay. All right. We can't add, Lawson can't add a cubit to his statue. He'd <laughs> like to because he plays basketball. <laughs> Don't do this to me, La. Don't call me short on radio. <laughs> no, I didn't call you short on radio. I just said that you would like to add a cubit because you play basketball. Oh, totally. If yeah. I played basketball, I'd like to add a cubit as well. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. If I added a cubit, I'd be up there with the NBA players. You'd be if you added a cubit, you'd be with you. My height. That's funny. That's so funny. But you can't just sit down and think yourself into a different height. Mm. Can't be done. Mm-hmm. You can't think yourself into a extra year of life. Yeah, that's that's such a good point because it's ultimately what it's saying here is like. How can you worry about something so much that it will improve your situation mm. and enable you to do more? What's interesting about your translation, because your translations, you know, by worrying add to your life, right? Mm-hmm. And the simple reality is that your brain can add to the length of your life, mm-hmm. but not by worrying about it. Oh, totally. It's the exact opposite. Wow. So if you get somebody who the doctor comes and says, you've got a terminal illness, you're going to be dead in six months. Mm-hmm. Usually they will be dead in six months. Mm. But then you some, some, find some people who studiously ignore what the doctor said and they're actually able to just fully ignore it. Mm-hmm. And they'll live much longer than that. And, you know, I could cite a whole bunch of examples. Uh, example I'm thinking right, right now is, you know, my father-in-law who was given six months to live 16 years ago. Wow. Walked out of the doctor's office and like, what does he know? What he's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. That's ridiculous. And just has studiously ignored everything the doctor said since. Mm -hmm. Uh, His twin brother sadly passed away from, you know, the same uh, congenital illness and he didn't. Mm -hmm. So you can add to your life by not worrying about your life, Mm -hmm. but you worry about your life, it will shorten your life. Totally. All right, let's keep going. Keep reading. It continues on and it says, And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow, and they don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, 
He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Mm, keep going, keep going. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. Okay, that's that's such a key verse right there for dealing with anxiety. Mm. Don't worry about tomorrow. Mm. Just deal with the issues that you've got to deal with today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Don't be stressing over that. And there was a key word there in verse 32. Can you just read for us verse 32, please? Verse 32, it says, These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. Yes. I want to focus in on that word dominate right there because it's not that we don't think about these things because the Bible also says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Yeah, it's okay to be financially responsible. It's okay to be financially responsible. Jesus is not saying to be financially irresponsible. Jesus is saying don't let it dominate your thoughts and give you anxiety. Mm. Give it to Jesus. He will uh, take you through this. And this is one of the challenges that we have, particularly in Western society, where we have so much. Mm -hmm. The one thing that dominates our minds all the time is what we don't have and what we think that we need to have, which we actually really don't. And the Bible says, seek God first. He will take care of you. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. For some answers to our questions, Lawson. Okay, the first answer... What was the relationship, the blood relationship between Esther and Mordecai? They were cousins. So many people got this wrong. And let me read the verse that proves it. He brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. For she had neither father nor mother. It goes on and describes her. But it's Everyone her, said niece, right? Everyone, including Mr. Lyle Southwell. He said niece as well. Yeah, but then I'm like, no, that's not right. Yeah, no, you still said it. You still said it. What did the seven sons of Sceva attempt to do? Cast out demons. What did Moses tell the Israelites to tie to their hands and their foreheads? God's commandments. According to Jesus' parable, the sheep know the shepherd's voice because, sorry, the sheep know that they're shepherd because they recognize his voice. And finally, where did Paul meet Priscilla and Aquila? That was in Corinth. But right now it is time for... Question of the day. All right, today's question of the day comes from David, and David asks, Is it correct that Jesus died in 31 AD, 1,991 years ago? 1,991. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought your text said 1,091. Yeah, 1,000, it did, but, but I'm, we correct I'm correcting it because I assume that, you know, the 9 and the 0 are right beside each other on the keyboard. like, somebody's mistyped this somewhere Yeah, that's right. Line. For 1,991 years ago. Because I was going to say, no, that's not true. <laughs> because I read the text message, but then you corrected it. Okay, so 1,991 years ago in the year 31 AD, that is actually correct. And the reason that we know that is correct is from a number of different sources. Um, of course, the Bible says that uh, this was during the prefecture of Pontius Pilate, as does Josephus. And Tacitus tells us that this took place during the reign of Tiberius Caesar. And both Caesar and Pilate ended their careers in 37 AD. And so we know that it took place before 37 AD. 
Okay, so that's our first clue. You're going to get a number of, you know, historians are going to be divided over the date for the crucifixion of Jesus, and they're going to give a number of different dates. One of the dates that they give is 31 AD, and so we look at that date and say, okay, how do we know as Christians that that's the, that's the correct date when historians can't actually figure out exactly which one it is? The reason that we know that is the correct date is because of the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9. If you go to Daniel chapter 9, the Bible says, mm. from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince will be 62 weeks and 7 weeks. That gives you a total of 49 years. Years plus 434 years. If you take that from the decree to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem, that is going to bring you to 27 AD to bring you to Messiah the Prince. The key word here is the word that is used to describe Jesus. He is described as Messiah. Mm-hmm. Jesus has lots of different names in the Bible, and each one of them refers to something specific and is used for specific reasons. The reason that you use the word Messiah, or the Bible uses the word Messiah here, is because it's not talking about his birth. It's talking about his anointing. The word Messiah means the anointed one. And Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit at his baptism in 27 AD. And so if you go from 457 BC, which is your decree to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem, and you go 49 years plus 434 years, using the day equals one year principle that is found throughout the Bible, that's going to bring you to 27 AD for the Baptism of Jesus, which will give you a date of A.D. 31, three and a half years later, for the death of Jesus. So what we do is we take the information that the historians make available to us and they give us a range of dates. Uh, Those dates kind of go from about 27 A.D. to 37 A.D., somewhere Mm. in that. They're like, we know from history that happens somewhere in this 10-year range of Mm. dates. That's what a historian will tell you. That's what an archaeologist will tell you. Then from the Bible we look at, we go, okay, which one, which one of those dates that the historian has told us is the correct one? And the Bible says the correct one is the year AD 31. Mm. And so this is one of the advantages that we have as Christians in having the Bible and being able to go to an inspired source uh, because that inspired source is actually going to give us the correct date. Uh, of course, the date in 457 BC, we have that one literally carved in stone, uh, by the Persian Empire, mm. uh, so we know, we can we know we can know and trust that one. Plus, it's triangulated by a whole bunch of other uh, Greek and Roman history, etc. That is widely available because it's dealing with one of the kings. We've got a couple of text messages coming through here, right at the end of the show. Just sneaking in, uh, and Sky says the sky. Sky is blue. Because, sky says the sky is blue because it is the wavelength that gets scattered the most. That's also why the sun looks yellow because the blue is taken out, and red and green make yellow. That is also why at sunrise and sunset the sun looks red because green scatters before red. Sorry, that was from Braden mm-hmm. about about the sky. About the sky. So very, very, I've got a text message from Sky straight above it, and I'm just getting confused over people here, but um, fantastic text message right there. And uh, then Raphael says, Worry never fixes anything, but God does. And remember, as you go through this day, to talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. Guide of all you. 
For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.